Hello, Hixikos. It's the heat sheet. Hello and welcome to the second edition of the Heat Sheet, your weekly instalment of all the best things in wrestling, broken down in newspaper headline form uh, by three Scottish guys that are more than used to being behind the mic for podcasts. And of course, you know, with the exception of Lewis here, two of us are Specky and Beardy and in our 30s. Uh, so therefore, you know, you know what you're getting with this. You're getting a wrestling podcast that's going to look at all the best stuff and hopefully be uh, as unvirginal as possible. So joining me again on the heat sheet uh, for our second edition after a stellar showing uh, from our first episode last week, uh, I have uh, Lewis McNaughton. My cue says Lewis. <laughs> All right. How's it going, mate? Not bad, Lewis. Uh, and we've also got Steve Roach as well. Steve, how are you? Well, apart from the bloody mute button not working. <laughs> Or, or uh, uh, we can hear you coming through there, I think. This is all good. This is a good technically sound start to the podcast. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you listened last week, thank you very much for doing so, and thanks for coming back. Uh, basically, we're going to do the same thing as we did last week. We are going to break down the very best of the week's wrestling news uh, to fill the heat sheet, our fictional dirt sheet. Uh, so we're looking to fill the front page with the biggest news stories the uh, back page with the best matches of the week. They got uh, page three with the best gossip of the, the the past seven days or the upcoming seven days, really. Uh, and we've also got TV pages for stuff that's wrestling related, but not necessarily wrestling that we have viewed or are looking to view. Uh, again, another wee gremlin there uh, to, to contend with as the other side decides to be a bit of a fanny. Uh, but yeah, let's, before we get cracking in, obviously, I think, you know, there's going to be one story that dominates this week's podcast, which we'll get into in the next week while. Uh, but uh, before we do so, in, uh, in sort of homage to what happened on uh, Friday Night Smackdown between The Rock and Cody and Roman Reigns, uh, can you guys tell me either the most selfless thing that you've ever done? the most Cody-like thing you've ever done and given away his uh, WrestleMania main event, or the most selfish thing you've done uh, in reference to The Rock electing himself to the board of directors for TKO and just shitting all over everybody's dreams? Uh, well, I'll, I'll go first on that one. I'd say the most selfless thing I've ever done is on a few occasions uh, I've, I go to the arcade um, and you know how these days you get the, the tickets uh, it's uh, basically raffle tickets that come out of the machines depending on uh, how, you, how well you score and all that. So you can mm-hmm. get a prize at the at the front desk. Like a couple of times, I've like won loads of that, and I look at the prizes like, what the fuck do I want from that? It's all just shitty cuddly toys and wee fake uh, iPhones. Probably the best thing you can get from it is like a a, a semi decent uh, wireless headset, which you know you can buy for it. Like, 20, 30 quid off Amazon anyway. So I think, so I, I just give it to some kids so that are trying to build up loads so they can get something. I always make sure it's a good kid though. You know, I always make, <laughs> I say, you've been, a, you've been a good boy? And I say, aye. Uh, aye, you go. Oh, and, and I always make sure they're Mondal are with them as well. 
Which is why I love people, obviously. <laughs> you just, I, but a bit mad, you just going about uh, arcades uh, saying, you've been a good boy, mate. You've been a good boy. <laughs> yeah. Do you want a bag of Haribo that it's took me £20 to win? Back in my car. <laughs> um, most selfish thing um, um, it's the thing that my, my wife loves to remind me about all the time uh, early in our relationship. Um, I met up I met up with her when she was meeting up with pals. It was basically the first time I met all of her pals um, after having dinner. And she ordered uh, some dessert and ice cream. Now, she handed it to me. Now, in my defence, I thought she handed it to me because she didn't want it anymore. She decided she was too full and just said, here, here, you have it. So I gobbled it all up. And I'm very quick at eating ice cream. I'm a believer that you need to eat ice cream as quick as you can because if you don't, it's A going to melt and B lose all its flavour. <laughs> so she looks at like that and goes, Are you fucking joking? Like, what? I was like, Have you taken all that? Aye. You, you said I can have it. I like, no. I said you can have a couple of bits. I'm like, Oh, fuck. And then all our pals are looking at, uh, at me going, The fuck? <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is a guy she's going to be a greedy bastard. So, so, so instead that. of you know, it, instead of them they acting as if you'd shat in the ice cream bowl, it was <laughs> just they were they were absolutely dumbfounded that you'd, you'd uh-huh. scrammed it all. Did you get a sore head? Yeah. Did you think so fast it, you get a sore head? Aye, but that's 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 part of the joy of an ice cream in a weird way. <laughs> you know, you like it's, it's it's the pleasure and the pain. You know, you got you got to take the rough with the smooth, as my dad always says. What about yourself? Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, the, the what, pain in uh, was, was, has was been the most selfless or the most selfish thing uh, that that you can think of that you've ever done. Um, I, to be fair, I, I always think of myself as somewhat selfless, uh, but I, until Steve mentioned his, I couldn't think of one. Maybe it's just because I'm doing so many small, nice gestures while having is. giving a fuck about anyone else in my life. Uh, but I'll go for the the selfless one first on the topic of the arcade. When me and my pals have gone to NQ64 before, you know, the arcade with the bevies and that. Oh, um, nice. You've got to, like, you can only get a certain amount of tokens and it's a, it's a ball ache. It's like, I'm sure it's like a tenner or 15 pound for like eight tokens or 10 tokens or something. And I always go in with the intention of spending them, playing the games and that. And what captures my attention straight away are the free uh, PS2 and PS1 uh, games that you can play and it's got all the old WWE games on it's got like Smackdown 1 and Smackdown 2 and everything so I end up spending the next hour on that and by the time it's time to leave I've got all my tokens um, so like you're saying I go around to asking the guys if they've been good boys and <laughs> uh, dish them out to the uh, to the lucky winner the self selfish I would say I went to when I went to Money in the Bank it works out well in the end, so you can be selfish sometimes for the better. And when I was there, we're, obviously we were up in the, the the high seats, the oxygen mask seats, um, head scraping off the the roof, and we seen these seats at the front. Um, and my pal who was with us, it was three of us. One of my pals who was with us has severe social anxiety. Um, so we were going. Me and my other pal were going. Let's go down there. We're going, What's the worst that's going to do? They're going to kick us back up here. Um, and it's two, it's two of you one against you, and he was freaking out and freaking out and freaking out. And at some point, we just went right. We're going. You're either up here by yourself or you're coming with us. Um, 
so I would say that's quite selfish. Luckily, scooted straight past the. Um, I don't know if I'm self-incriminating myself here, but scooted straight past the Wembley. Um, sorry, the O2 staff straight into row ten, and John Cena came out five minutes later. So worked out well in the end. Uh, probably say some more selfish things, but then I'll get myself in trouble. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. I will leave it as, <laughs> as, as less incriminating as possible. But you know what? As you say, sometimes it does pay off to be selfish. Uh, and I'm glad that it did because you got to experience uh, money in the bank very, very close up. Uh, so we're going to look at how the, the two of you have experienced wrestling as a whole as uh, from as close up as possible or as far away as possible as you have managed this week as we fill the daft sheet. So How's, how's that for a link? That was proper partridge. Beautiful. That was proper partridge going on there. Uh, so we'll go for the, the front page, first of all, the best uh, news stories of the week. And uh, Steve, I will uh, open uh, with yourself. Uh, what is your gambit to grace the front page this week? Well, there's only one story, isn't it? And you've already alluded to it. Is The Rock taking Cody Rhodes' spot uh, in the main event at WrestleMania? It's it's been um, absolutely mental that yeah, uh, and and the story hasn't stopped. Like again, pardon the pun there in terms of stories finishing and starting and, and whatnot. But <laughs> uh, ever since uh, Friday Night SmackDown, uh, there seems to be updates every day on you know when stuff was changing, when people knew about what was going on and stuff as well. So, uh, get, give me your perspective on it, Steve. What's what what is it uh, for you that's made this the biggest story of the week? Well, just all the ramifications of it, the and the, and what's led up to it, uh, all the rumor mill that's come out of it, all the speculation. Now we don't know what's fully decided to be WWE's decision on that. We know, or we are, we understand that it was part of the Rock's deal to uh, to join the TKO board. We know that. Um, it was an element of now or never in terms of uh, doing Roman versus Rock at some point. Um, you also throw in the fact it's, it's WrestleMania 40, it's a milestone uh, WrestleMania. You want like a, a super-duper, you know, rare once-in-a-lifetime main event for it, something on par with, I guess, Hogan Warrior from WrestleMania 6, something like that. Um we also understand that the Rock himself pushed for it, and now that he's on the board, he can if he if they if he says to him, "I want the WrestleMania main event," they can't say no. He's he's a boss of the company; they cannot say no. So there's that as well. Um, now I, I think all the fallout from it, from the fan point of view, is fell the way that we all expected, didn't, didn't we? I think the hardcore fan, it's a little. Um, disappointing because we all collectively want Cody to finish the story he's got the best ongoing storyline but also there's the ones that are they're saying this is this makes business sense doesn't it you've got the rock the one of the guys that you can argue is in like the top 10 most famous people in the world the most followed guy in social media etc etc and he wants to to do it, and it's and it's a it's a whole family thing. It's cousin versus cousin. It's the who's the tribal, who's the real tribal chief. Why on earth would you not do it? And the business 
data and statistics show it's holding up. It's already tracked uh, on track to be the most lucrative WrestleMania ever in terms of money generated, sales and merchandise. I think already it's pretty much a seller. I think night two is already set, sold out over, I think I read 85% of its allocation. Night one's at about 75, 80. There'll be more tickets sold between now and then, so probably both will get to pretty much 100%. So in terms of business sense, it's 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 hitting the mark. Uh, a bit, you know, from a hardcore fan point of view, we're all thinking, when the fuck is Cody going to finish the story? It's absolutely mental to me that we've got to this stage where the Rock is, you know, coming in, throwing his, his weight around already after, you know, being elected to the board of directors or whatever it is at TKO. Uh, and just totally annihilating Cody's uh, Royal Rumble win. You know, Unless there is going to be that the the kind of the, the switch around or the the swerve or whatever where it's Cody against Seth on like to main event night one, say for example, the fact that Cody came out and said, you know, he he, he wants the he, he wants the universal title. That title's got the lineage that he's uh, that his dad was going after. That his dad uh, had went for so much that his dad got taken off of him at uh, Madison Square Gardens. And then he goes on about, you know, finishing the story isn't just winning the title, finishing the story is taking everything from you. And then he says, but I'm not going to do it at WrestleMania. And then obviously he says, you know, he's, he's taking counsel from someone, that someone being The Rock. The Rock comes out and they have the, the, the weird kind of bro hug where The Rock says something to him and Cody just looks like a, a dejected wee boy with it. And obviously Cody is no... You know, he's not naive to the wrestling business. He's obviously what to he's obviously been told what the plan is to be best for business for it. He's putting on as brave a face as he can with it. And he's saying stuff on uh, on Twitter, you know, like trust the process, trust me. He's like, I hear you guys, trust me. So maybe there is something else in the work. But you know, if you if you listen to uh uh my uh, hot take uh on the, the heat sheet uh Spotify network. Well, I don't know for the network yet. Um, my immediate reactions on on Saturday morning to it. You know, I'll, I'll go into a bit of more, more depth as to my immediate reactions on it. But just in terms of the the whole way it's come about, you know, I don't know, Lewis, if you've seen anything uh, over the last few days in terms of when it was decided that Rock was going to be taking the main event. Who knew about it? All that sort of stuff. If it was in, if this was in place from as early as January first. Which is, you know, what's the word? Why, why have Cody win the rumble? Why, why have him do that? I think that it makes me think that maybe, maybe the plan was, well, we'll give Cody his match against Seth. Um, I'll kind of play devil, devil and angel on the shoulder of why that would be good and bad. It's, I think, for the casual fan. If you look at it, Cody Rhodes wins the Rumble. These casual fans know about the Rumble. Ah, you can ch- challenge whoever you want. So facing Seth makes as much sense as facing Roman. Um, and to the casual fan, The Rock is Dwayne Johnson is a much bigger star than Cody Rhodes is. So 
like I'm saying to the casual fan, then there's absolutely no issue with that whatsoever. And it it makes you think what percentage of fans are casual? You know, are we, are we a small minority of people who like to dig sort of deeper into the stories um, and can pick faults and flaws in it a little bit more than the average viewer? Um, however, going back to the, the angel side of how it's a bit harsh, Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns, it has been a story that's been built for the last two years, but then back to the devil side, you could say that The Rock is the final piece of the bloodline story. Um, so you could say it's either it's, it's one of two stories ending um, and you just pick what's best for business at that point. I think best for business-wise would be Roman versus Rock. I think best for the future um, and the, the storylines and everything going forward would be Cody. I don't know why um, it's been changed such last minute. And it's, like you're saying, it's just potentially The Rock coming into power at that stage and deciding himself that he, he wants this. You know, he wants one more rodeo before he, he can't do it anymore. Um, so he's, he's trying to make it work as much as possible. And I've seen something that WWE were surprised with the, the sort of lack of support for The Rock coming back because he is The Rock, um, which makes you think that they're kind of in a sticky situation and maybe they're not thinking about the full picture in terms of it's a work. You know, maybe it's not a work. Maybe they're scrambling now to figure out what could actually happen to please everyone. But in the end, Cody's not... He's not owed anything, you know. He's he's not owed no. the main event of WrestleMania for for no reason. Just because Dusty Rhodes is his dad and all this and that, uh, he's not owed anything. So if Triple H or Rock, whoever, think that's better for business, then fair enough if that's the way they go. But do you think that it undoes a bit of the the goodwill? Oh, I say goodwill. You know, by and large, under Triple H's tenureship and in, in charge of WWE. He's kind of righted the track on it, you know, over the last maybe, you know, year, year and a half, the product has become better, there's been more compelling stories. He's he's pushed a lot of guys or given a lot of guys opportunities that Vince wouldn't have given them to. And that kind of goodwill that, that's built up, although it's maybe been undone by all the, the unniceness that we spoke about last week with Vince, it's got fans invested again. And ultimately, you know, it's the, it's the fans that are going along to the events, it's the fans that are cheering, it's the fans that have a bit of power in terms of making their voices heard. We've seen it 10 years ago uh, with WrestleMania 30, the, the Yes movement, everything that transpired after the, the, the Royal Rumble that year and what led to Daniel Bryan getting, you know, arguably the biggest feel-good moment that WWE's ever had. So... Do you think WWE have they, they they've pivoted in terms of the, seeing the reaction, having you know one of the most disliked YouTube, or one of the most watched videos be the most disliked of the videos on YouTube in terms of the way that they put up that segment? I think even they recut it and put up a different version of it. I think as well to see if it, if it would change anything. But do you think that ten years after you know the Yes movement? They are trying to make a non-organic version of that for Cody. Do you think that they are now pivoting 
and trying to make themselves seem like the good guys. But if if they do change anything, or do you think you know Doc V Roman is a lock, and the, the the fans that have invested for the last two years are just going to have to live, have to live with it? I think it's I think it's uncharacteristic booking um, for Triple H. You know, as you said, he's he's kind of gone from the away from the old school booking of you know your your Hogan's and your Rocks and your Romans, um, just being in the main event. And if you're pissed off, you're pissed off. Um, hashtag cancel WWE Network Royal Rumble 2015 things like that. Um, so it is uncharacteristic for the the old guard to come back in and take the headlines in the main events but uh, I don't know I, I don't think it's I don't think it's locked in but it, it, it to be it's it'll be quite a swear of if I think if Cody comes back into the mix so I think I'll be surprised either way I think if The Rock stays in that main event I'll I'll be surprised, not surprised. If he doesn't, then I'll be surprised, not surprised. And the, the one thing that makes me think of, considering it's been it's been papered since the first of January for Rock to be in that main event, um, if CM Punk wasn't injured at that point, mm. what happened? You know, that's making me think it might be some sort of work as well because you've got Punk, Rollins, you've got Cody, Roman. Before any rock business, CM Punk injury business, The Rock comes in. Where does he go? Where does CM Punk and The Rock fit and Cody fit into this? So well, that's, that that's makes me just think what I was going to. That's what I was going to do with yourself, Steve. Uh, you know, uh, the WrestleMania plans ultimately took a, a massive uh, dent when CM Punk injured himself. And as, as Lewis was saying there, you know, if if these plans have been in place from before that Punk injury, then. What what was going on? I mean, what what, what do you reckon? Uh, is the is the truth? I mean, so somewhere between all the all the tales that I'm going about, but the the truth lies somewhere in between. What what do you see as being the uh, the the right thing that's that's happened or the 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 proper way that it's came about? You on mute, mate. Oh, sorry. Um... I don't know if the truth is ever going to come out with it, but I know there is some sound evidence out there that uh, Cody winning instead of, instead of Punk was an audible call. There's somebody's pulled out some footage or um, like an off main camera thing where two referees have told Punk because they've noticed he's injured so that we're going to have to change it up. Cody's going to have to win now, etc. And then um, has it been pieced together then that he was going to face um, Seth uh, at Mania, or was he going to? F- I, I, I guess he was going to. F- well, sorry, Roman was Roman was going to face Rock regardless because that had been in decision f- uh, on the first of January. But I also remember a story right after Punk came back in November saying that his uh, his re-signing has not changed the Royal Rumble plans. Mm. So, I, so I mean. This is, I think, this is evidence of the whole rumor mill system that goes on in wrestling. Like, leak. Like, the, I think WWE themselves bullshit. Um, the journalists with their leaks. Like, somebody will, somebody will tell right. You tell Sean Rossap one thing, well, you tell Meltzer the opposite thing. Let's, you know, kind of let's uh, play the game. Kind of uh, keep them guessing, kind of thing. 
happens all the time. We've heard, we've heard it with Akada. Like I think uh, Alvarez reported that he's going to WWE, whereas Meltzer says, no, it's not. I've heard that. I've heard it's a lot for AEW, etc. Um, I, I think long term, they've, they've been wanting Rock and Roman for a, for a long time. It, it makes sense. Um, I, I, the, the, that's that's the most the most sensible thing bringing Rock on to the the director's board. I think they really really wanted this to happen. And the Rock said, like it's not about you know it, it should just be about about money. I want something you know that money can't buy. I want the power. Mm. And then TKO said, "Fuck it, let's give him a seat to the board." He's just, is that kind of guy we'd, we'd want on our board, a great public face, a guy that is known the world over, you know, loved by millions and knows exactly how to uh, turn it on with the media. Would be would be crazy not to. And, and then he can earn as much as he wants willy-nilly. So I think that's that's always been the, uh, the case. I think they've, since the punk signing, they've also flopped a bit with him and Cody. Mm. In a way, it's a good problem to have because... It's like it's like a manager having two world uh, world class number nines, and both of them are in fit and firing form. Cody because he's the current baby's face darling, Punk because he's the the controversial shit stutter, and you know he had he had the uh, that that crazy year in AEW, and he's now you know resigned me with AEW on the, on this fanfare after. Uh, after raising hell at the, at the rival com- competition, so either way they were they were kind of they were going to win in in many ways. If that mm. makes sense. I know I know it seems like we're moaning and we're all we're all saying like fuck off. They've done it again. It's Dan, it's Brian, it's Daniel Bryan all over again. We're WrestleMania thirty, but they're rubbing their hands. They're going, this is brilliant. We're, you know, a couple of months out from WrestleMania, we've got the Rock, we've got a. You know, we've got all this buzz created in, in the media and then make no mistake, they've got um, all this crazy mainstream media buzz. One of the most shared tweets that's going about right now is a meme of Cody next to George R. R. Martin uh, with the caption saying, these two have got something in common. They're never going to finish the story. <laughs> <laughs> now, just before we wrap this section up, uh, do you think that the Rock coming back and SmackDown the way he did and everything that played out with the internal people thinking that this was going to be a massively positive move. Do you think that it has been engineered to take away the the stench of last week with all the Vince McMahon allegations and stuff? Because I've seen a lot of really, really shitty takes uh, online, you know, that people are more up in arms about, uh, about what, you know, Rock taking the, the WrestleMania main event away than they are about uh, Vince McMahon and his uh, sexual proclivities uh, with, uh, of course, with, with, with people he's been paying off. Do you think that has there has been that element to it? Absolutely, I think that that comes into it. You know, major companies um, or trading on the the New York stock market. Um, you know, they'll. It's just like politicians now; they will do anything to deflect. When there's ever a, when there's ever a negative story, they'll pull out something to distract us to um, to get us to talking about anything else, and you know, putting in the rock the, the uh, to the WrestleMania main event is just a ticket for that. 
So that's a strong possibility as well. Make no mistake. And, and The Rock being a board member now, that's in his interests. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. I mean, they're bringing in The Rock to be this kind of superhero uh, to, to kind of make the transition uh, from the Vince McMahon era into whatever this new era, this Netflix era of WWE is going to be. Uh, and, you know, we're all going to be here for it. Whether that's uh, also going to usher in uh, the Rock as the Universal Champion at some point over the next wee while, because apparently he's politicking to take <laughs> the title off uh, Roman as well, which I think would probably piss more people off uh, than the, the current Cody situation. But that is for something we can discuss. Before we wrap uh, it, I, I'm going to call it now. I'm going to call it now. WrestleMania 41, not in the main event's going to be. The Rock versus but, Logan Paul. Oh, that's a good prediction. Good prediction. Uh, and again, Logan Paul's kind of set that in motion already. Uh, I think there's been beef in the past due to Logan Paul's uh, his, uh, death for this video. Apparently the, the docs people asked him to take down any interview or any uh, online interaction he'd had with the Rock in the aftermath of that. So there's, de- there's And there's Logan came out in support of Cody as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's been a, a good bit of support from the uh, the boys so to speak, for the, for Cody too. So uh, who knows? I mean, this time next week, we'll probably be talking about another twist and turn uh, uh, on that on the front page. But from there, we're going to go to the back page and talk about the actual in-ring stuff, the stuff that we actually care about and the stuff that matters. Uh, so, Lewis, I'll come to you first. What? Uh, oh, sorry, I need to go through the, the headline. Sorry. Uh, the headline we're going to go for for that front page is uh, Dwayne Rock blocks Cody's roads to WrestleMania. Uh, looks looks better than down as always. So yeah, back page, uh, Steve. Uh, what? In fact, my Lewis. Sorry, I'm getting confused here. I'm getting confused. Uh, Lewis, what was your pick of the ending action that you want on the back page of this week's heat sheet? Um, I think that I think that the the wrestling world has been dominated this week mostly by things outside of the ring. However, one thing inside the ring that captured my attention and I thought was was well worthwhile of mentioning was the the main event of Vengeance Day, um, Trick Williams versus Ilya Dragunov. It's it's a weird one because Trick Williams is obviously quite early on in his career. Dragunov's a bit of a veteran in terms of he just knows exactly what he's doing. However, they complement each other quite well. It wasn't even just the in-ring stuff. It was the, the whole storytelling and the ability of, of Trick Williams to um, tell a story while putting on probably, his, I would say definitely, his best match of his career so far. So the whole mellow trick thing was intertangled in this where there was maybe... At the start of the night, I don't know if you you have caught up with NXT this week, but at the start of the night, Trick and Mello were against uh, Corbin and Braun Breaker. In the match, Mello took the bullet, took the spear for Trick Williams because he wanted him to be fresh and all this and that from the main event against Ilya. So that set up the tone of trying to make you forget that there was a bit of a rift between them. I then got to the main event where it was a... There was a lot going on in the match. Ilya with his hard-hitting style, Trick Williams managed to match him quite well. 
there was I'd say there was a, a few botches here and there. Trick trick struggles sometimes. However, the storytelling made you forget anything about any blips in the match. Mello was on the outside being his biggest fan. Um, the facial expressions from the outside were good. And then at one point, Ilya pushes Carmelo Hayes into Trick Williams, injures the knee, and that kind of plays a part towards the end of the match. He goes for the knee at one point. Um, and he buckles. So that kind of paints the picture that Melo might have fucked him here. It gets to the end of the match. This is actually quite a quite a good, innovative finish that I've, I don't think I've ever seen before, but makes a lot of sense. So they've both got running finishers. Um, he Trick goes for the elbow. Sorry, he goes for the knee. Dragunov goes for the elbow, they just stand, do their taunts and run at each other and you think with a comeback story, the underdog story Trick's going to hit it, Ilya hits his one, two, three, everyone's feeling sorry for Trick Williams, Mello comes in the ring and in classic NXT fashion, the little end of show comes up what do you think it's done, yeah, the credits come up and just like they did with Gargano and Champa. Hayes has this look on his face and kicks fuck it on basically. He <laughs> goes for the goes for the leg, injures his leg, um and that's the end of end of Mellow and Trick, but for the match itself, it's it's upwards of four and a half stars, I'd say. And mm. for a for a newcomer, for someone who's just learning the ropes, I'd say it's it was pretty well done in terms of, like I said, the storytelling and the in-ring work. Uh, but Dragunov can pull anyone through a match. Um, he's ridiculous. The intensity he has, the, the moveset he has, the, the believability that he has is, is second to none. And Dragunov's the champ. Melo comes out on NXT last night. Um, starts his heel process. And it looks like we're getting Melo versus Dragunov at the next pay-per-view but I think Trick Williams is going to get involved somehow and it'll probably end up being Trick and Mello at Stand and Deliver's main event so looking forward to that Cool, now as a resident NXT expert uh, Lewis that split between Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams has that been something that's been brewing for a while or was it completely out of left field Been it's been on the horizon for probably the last two three months. There was a who tra- who attack trick um, angle. It must have been about three months ago. We've played it out quite a long time. Um, they they've got on the same page. They've had the re refs. They've got on the same page. They've had the re refs. But you've never forgot that that the story behind it is that he's he's always been Mello's hype man from the start. He was his hype mm. man. He'd come out and introduce him and do this and that. So you could see the the looks that. Mello would give him um, in terms of his popularity growing. So if you if you had a little bit of like we're saying hardcore mentality towards it, and you you looked at the the little nuances that there's been, yeah, this was a long time coming. Um, however, they did they did a good a good job in making you try and forget about that, you know, um, for the last couple of months. But yeah, um, it was it was always going to happen. Mello as a heel probably does his best work 
from what I've seen anyway. And it was a it was a long time coming for him going heel and having the match between the two of them to sort of keep his stock high and build Trick Williams stock at the same time. Cool. And on the other side of the coin there that obviously you've got Dragonov uh retaining the, the NXT championship. Uh out with uh Camelo Hayes and maybe Williams getting a, another shot at it. Who would you say is kind of the most likely to dethrone Dragunov before they ends up joining Imperium on the main roster? As is heavily rumoured. Uh, I, outside of them, I, I do think it is going to be Carmelo Hayes in the end, but outside of them, you've got a strong case for whether Braun stays down for a little bit longer, Corbin might want another crack at the whip, you've got um, Axiom and Nathan Fraser and some some European love there other than that you're you're probably looking a little bit lower down the card but Obafemi um, the North American champion yes. just now the guy that won the breakout tournament is an absolute beast and I see him and Carmelo Hayes propelling the brand if Hayes doesn't come up because I feel like he's got a little bit more more to do down there. Not that he needs to, but I feel like he's got some more he can do down there with Trick as well. But Obafemi, this guy's a this guy's an absolute freak. He's twice the size of Brock Lesnar. He's twice the size of Bobby Lashley, and he moves about quite well for a big guy. He's not a hyper athlete like them, but um, <clears throat> you can you can you can tell he's got something about him, and he's he's menacing like they want him to be you know he's not playing the tough guy and we'll see what he does he's going to have quite a rapid ascent I'd say so him potentially um, but my money's on Carmelo Hayes not um, Defy Gallus no Wolfgang's going to be (laughs) give them a bit of love give them a bit of love stick uh, Mark Coffey in the main event of Stand and Deliver book it book it well that's that's good I, I only really saw the finish uh, of the match uh, and clips here and there. I saw the the Braun Breaker nearly decapitating himself, uh, running the ropes in the in the in the dusty final. Uh, and I'd, I'd seen people say talking about you know how uh, there've been a few kind of loose ropes uh, during the the course of the event, but I think it's just the speed that Braun Breaker hits the ropes at. Like you're always taught, get your arm over the top rope, get your arm over so that if if it does break, then you're you're holding on. You know you're not just going to like fall out of the thing at speed. Uh, and to me, when I was watching, it just looked like he didn't get his arm up because he was going so fast. Uh, but uh, hopefully, he's it's not kind of rocked him too much on that. But certainly, you know, everything I've heard and from what you've said there, Lewis, about that match is definitely a contender to take the the back page. Uh, but Steve. Uh, We'll come to you. What would you say has been the, the best in-ring matchup of the week? Uh, Got to be honest, didn't catch a heck of a lot of wrestling the past week. Um, I, I liked Swerve versus uh, RVD uh, from uh, Dynamite, but I'm actually going to say uh, I, I didn't catch the full match. I only saw the kind of uh, eight, nine minute height. Uh, kind of had a latter half for it from YouTube. It was from uh, Saturday Night Collision. It was Brian Danielson against, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation here, Henchizero. He's uh, one of the big Lucha Libre stars uh, from CMLL. 
Uh, really, really good match. Uh, Hinchesero, I, I hope we get to see more of him. He's, he's, he's a conventional Lucha Libre guy, a lot of flips, uh, a lot of high spots, but he also does these bright submissions. Like he had, he caught Danielson in these really um, unique submissions, the kind of stuff you usually see more from guys like Zack Sabre Jr. and your old school wrestling guys. Um, and and it was it was a typical Brian Danielson match, just absolute, um, a, you know, just like your, your usual kicks, you know, stuff shots, etc., etc., mixed in with all this great Lucha Libre stuff. And I like this sort of feud that the BCC's got going on with these uh, Lucha Libre guys. They've actually got a six-man scheduled with them uh, tonight, actually. So it's Daniel Soon, Moxley and Claudio up against um, Hinchesero and I can't remember the two other guys. I need to recheck. It's not Commander. It's not uh, Vikingo because they're they're triple A guys. Um, and um, you will actually never see those guys uh, mixed up with CML guys in the same card because I learned, I learned this through this match. Uh, AW's got a working relationship with both companies, but um, the agreement is that uh, when a CML guy's booked on that show, a AAA, a AAA guy better not be on there as well. Because CMML and AAA are the fucking Celtic Rangers of wrestling. They they still come <laughs> hate each other with a passion. Like seriously, they would make they would make WWE and, and AEW look civil uh, in a way. Like they those guys hate each other. Like there's there's infamous stories from they're still going to, to this day, going all the way back to the sixties, seventies. Like whenever like a guy from one of those rosters meets another guy. A, a roster or a whole pack of them instantly fights break out. It is mental. Um, so I, you check out if you can Danielson versus Hinchesero, uh, and you can tell Danielson's on a kind of retirement tour, and it uh, is, isn't he? The week before he, he faced Yuji Nagata mm-hmm. from New Japan. This week he was facing a CMML guy. I'd imagine we're going to see more of this where he takes on more unique opponents from from around the world. I hope we get to see him face up against some European guys, um, like maybe guys like from WX Dub, or who knows, we see him up against an IC Dub guy. That'd be pretty cool. It would be, I think, you know, the, the way that Collision seems to be going just now, it seems to be the 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 wrestlers wrestling show. It's the one for the purists. It's the one that's got the 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 inning action. It's got the, the one that's got the the technical stuff. Uh, more so than what Dynamite has, and the fact that Danielson's on there. Da- Danielson obviously taking over the the role of head honcho of Collision uh, after Punk left. He's really brought that kind of competitive edge uh, to the show. Uh, you know, we've seen with the Continental Classic stuff uh, just before Christmas uh, that the the focus was on putting on the best wrestling matches in the world, and now. We're into 2024, and Danielson is going through this, taking on the, the the very best that they can get from other promotions. And as you're saying there, you know the the partnerships that AEW have got with the Mexican, uh, I was going to say cartels there. That's probably the wrong, completely wrong thing to say. But with the the other uh, with the Mexican promotions, uh, it's bringing 
new eyes to guys that are, you know, probably massive in their home country, but are needing that breakthrough or are looking to get that breakthrough into mainstream American wrestling. Uh, in terms of the the match itself there, though, was there any sort of standout points? I know you mentioned about uh, the... I'm not even going to try and say the Mexican lad's name. Um, mm-hmm. Was there? I know you've talked about you know his his submission type manoeuvres, but was there anything uh, that you were really impressed by either by the the, the luchador or by yeah, the, well, the dragon? Right, well, Hedgehog, the luchador guy, he's you know the the crazy thing about me is he's not small. He's a big, thick boy, and yet he did a a crazy dive. Um, he got really high as well. I'm talking 20 feet minimum, um, and not from like a, a short distance either. But he got he bounced up really high and he landed on Danielson, who was on the outside. And there was also a beautiful bit where Danielson uh, came off to do the uh, the big knee, um, like the one the one he used to do back in his Ring of Honor's days. But Hedges Arrow caught him beautifully and put him in a in a leg lock, and then followed that up. By do uh, by doing the the headlock as well, so he had he had Dimes and Ben Overness like really really um this really really uh, uh, looking hold it must be painful as fuck because he was like he basically had him as a pretzel. Um, the pin was really yeah, the finish was really good. Uh, it was it was like an old school NWA like finish where Hendricks was trying to get a. A suplex done, but Danielson rolls under and puts him into the like, own. Uh, it's the kind of pin you often see on Hart do. Like it was this, the finish he, he had with uh, with Brett. Uh, Rest oh, like ten. The, it was that the sunset flip sit down. Yes, yeah, that's it. Oh. Aye, it was a it was a really good uh, finish. Um, so it was a, a really well put together match, and the, the you know despite the brutal nature, both guys really got their, their spots dead on um, as well. Um, and the other thing I just want to bring up to I mean the reason why I liked it so much and put so much investment it wasn't just because it was a Danielson match um, I'm having my honeymoon in Mexico so I'm hoping to actually get to see a, a Lucha Libre uh, uh, show while I'm out there if I can find one um, so that it's, it's kind of putting in good practice of that also I'm sure they, like, they, they seem to let anybody just take part in Lucha Libre as well I mean if you watch any Television travel show that goes anywhere in Mexico. Right. They they end up wrestling. I mean, right. what, I, I think I think I've seen Gordon Ramsay, you know, DeCampo, uh-huh. Fred Sirex doing it. I'm sure the uh, Top Gear guys as well. Top Gear, Carol Pilkington done it as well. So that I mean, you you are a, a viral uh, star these days on this uh, multi multi viewer uh, podcast, getting all the hits on YouTube. <laughs> I don't see why they wouldn't let you, you know, put a mask on and, and chuck your well, ring for, for ten so minutes. Maybe I'll give it a go and I'll, I'll record it all and we can share it on a on a show one day. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> quickly, the other thing I want to point out is apparently this Lucha Libre partnership that EW's got in place is apparently it's proven to pay dividends as well. There's been a lot of reports where they've when they've had a big a uh, uh, Mexican guy on like Hengesir or Mystico or something like that. There's been a slight boost in ticket sales last mm. minute. Especially within a market where they've got, uh, where it's got quite a high Hispanic populace, so areas like Texas, California, um, Oklahoma, Arizona, mainly the southern states, really, 
it always seems to get them a kind of late boost in tickets. So, and, you know, if, if, and if there's one thing that AW's been uh, hit heavily for or buried heavily for, it's their piss poor attendances. So, hopefully, they've found something that helps kind of get that, uh, kind of prove that in a wee bit. I, I don't think it's going to be sustainable long term, but at least they're doing something to address it. Now, the last thing I just want to ask you on this uh, bit, Steve, is uh, at a time where the, we're recording before uh, this week's Dynamite takes place, but you've got the three uh, Mexican lads uh, taking on the Blackpool Combat Club uh, on this week's episode of Dynamite. I want you to play Mystic Meg here. Do you think the the Luchadors will win out and start the, the, the spiral of the BCC away? Because there's no wheel of you in the match. There's no day mm. that you would say, you know, if anybody's going to take the pen, it's going to be you. Uh, it's it's Claudio, it's Mox, and it's Danielson in this one. So, Ooh. do you think that there's a there's a chance that the the Mexicans will uh, turn turn Blackpool into Tijuana? Well, aye, I, I mean, it'd be pretty boring and predictable for the BCC to keep keep winning. I feel like it's a faction that's it's you know it's it's. It's served its purpose now, aye. And I think that I think there needs to be a change. I think for the for for the sakes individually, they need they need to find something new. And if Daniels is serious about having have making this his last year, then he's got to there's got to be something that that that, uh, that catalyzes on that. I think Moxley needs a change as well. I mean. A lot of people call me W's ace. Well, for the last six months, he's not felt like the ace to me. Um, and I, I think a lot of his momentum has been derailed ever since he got that injury in the uh, in the Ray Phoenix, Phoenix match where he had, yeah. uh, the, he had to drop the international title to him. So he needs a change. I think, I think a, cha- a change is good for Claudio. I think could me could we maybe have have the mixing guys go over, and then immediately we'll see the descent leading to the three of them having a triple threat against one another uh, revolution. And also, if AW wants to uh, be serious about keeping this. Um, this relationship going with the Mexican promotion, they're going to need to let their guys win yeah. every so often, you know. And that's, that's a good call. And I, like, and Tony Khan's going to have to see it triple A and CML. Okay, I'll let your I'll let your boys get a win against some of my some of my boys. And by the way, Danielson, Moxley, and Claudio doesn't get much bigger than that. So don't say I'm not being good to you. No, that's that, that's mm-hmm. all fair points on there. Uh, so looking at what the two years have offered me there. I think, Lewis, I'm going to give you the back page. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of the, the traction that the the matches got online, the uh, the storytelling uh, that was in it as well, uh, and purely because I think on the, the old podcast we were giving uh, Brian Danielson the back page pretty much every week on it as well. So uh, I'm going to give, the, give you the back page, Lewis, and the headline that we're going to go with on that is William's title tilt harshed by Mellow. Uh, so congratulations on taking that. Now, uh, in lieu of a, a full-on interview for the Centrefold, uh, this week uh, I have uh, done a little piece on what I think the AEW rankings coming back to the company uh, is going to do for the output in 2024 and how I hope it uh, shapes the 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 way that AEW approaches things for the rest of the year to get the power back, uh, to, to paraphrase another podcast. Uh, so I'm going to drop that in just about here. 
In the ever-evolving landscape of professional wrestling, All Elite Wrestling has been a formidable force since its inception in 2019, offering fans an alternative to the traditional wrestling product. It may have lost the power over the last 12 months due to a number of factors, dwindling crowds, the CM Punk situation, the Elite being less so, but central to AEW's early years' success was its commitment to innovation and fan engagement. One such innovation that has recently made a triumphant return is the AEW ranking system. First introduced in the early stages of the company, the ranking system served as a beacon of transparency and integrity in determining contenders for titles and shaping storylines. However, as the company expanded and priorities shifted, the ranking system took a back seat, allegedly at the behest of CM Punk, leaving some fans disillusioned with the direction of the product. But as 2024 gets underway, Tony Khan has brought the rankings back, signalling a renewed commitment to competitive integrity and fan satisfaction. The return of the rankings holds immense importance for several reasons. Firstly, it reinstates the credibility of championship opportunities within the promotion. In an era where title matches are often granted based on backstage politics or storyline whims, these rankings provide a clear and objective measure of a wrestler's merit. This transparency not only adds legitimacy to championship bouts, but also elevates the prestige of holding a title in AEW. It also makes for undeniably deserved matchups, case in point being the impending Hangman v Swerve 3. It also served Hook well by giving him a crack at world champion Samoa Joe, and it's finally put Sting and Darby Allin in a tag title bout, having gone undefeated uh, for a number of years. Now furthermore, the return of the ranking system revitalises the competitive spirit among AEW's roster. Wrestlers are motivated to climb the rankings ladder, knowing that their hard work and performance will be duly rewarded with opportunities for the championship glory. This healthy competition will breed innovation and pushes talent to continuously improve, ultimately raising the overall quality of the product. On television, the rankings should play a central role in shaping storylines and matchups. The recent Continental Classic tournament proved that fixture-led matches and storytelling could make for compelling viewing, with everyone doing mental gymnastics over the permutations every result could have on any given competitor. Going forward, AEW programming should reflect that competitive landscape. Title matches should be earned through consistent performance and ranking position, creating that anticipation and excitement among the fans as they witness the journey of their favourite wrestlers vying for championship gold or looking to overcome the odds. Additionally, the rankings provide a blueprint for long-term storytelling. Wrestlers can embark on redemption arcs, overcoming setbacks to climb up the rankings and pursue their dreams. Underdog stories, rivalries and alliances can organically emerge based on the competitive dynamics that the rankings put in place, making the tapestry of AEW's narrative landscape that much richer. TK bringing back the rankings represents a pivotal moment in not just the evolution of the promotion, but it should see some of the fire the promotion lost in 2023 reignited. Yes, we had All In, highest paid attendance for a wrestling show ever, and a further two hours a week of programming with the purists wrestling show collision. But by reinstating this essential component of competitive wrestling, AEW reaffirms its commitment to authenticity, integrity, and hopefully a whole lot more fan engagement. So yeah, that's that was my thoughts on the AEW ranking system. If you have any thoughts on your your own, feel free to get in touch with us uh, on X slash Twitter by just tweeting us at the Heat Sheet Pod, uh, or you know leave a comment under this video on YouTube.
because we're doing that kind of thing as well. You know, in, in that wee piece there that I've obviously spoken about, uh, the, the rankings being something that can differentiate AEW from WWE in terms of the competitive nature of this. But do you guys think it's a good idea that they're, they're bringing that kind of uh, fixture-led uh, format back to things? Or do you think wrestling should always be about impromptu matches and never knowing what you're going to get week to week? Let's let you go first, mate. I think that I think that rankings makes a whole lot of sense um, in terms of WWE and AEW. Looking, I know that WWE doesn't doesn't often do it, but they they seem to try and follow somewhat. But AEW, it's, it's making it seem more like a sport with rankings. You know, people deserving things via getting wins, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it does sometimes put you into a bit of a corner. Um, you can't really justify this person facing this person if you want it. You've got to kind of build it a few weeks here and there, which can be a good thing, however. Um, I think that in terms of making it more believable and making less issues of why is this person getting a title match, why is this person getting a title match, I think Rankins does does play a big part in logic and making it make a little bit more sense than it might usually. And what's your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I think overall I'm for it coming back. It was one of the 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 things that AEW or made AEW different rather in its early days. Um, and it, it's it's good if you want to kind of present a guy um, as as you know the as the main as your kind of main attraction at the time of why, mm-hmm. why he's why he's the kind of top uh, the, the top guy um, is reflected of, of having Swerve as number one. It makes sense to have him number one. He's the one that's in the biggest momentum. Um, he's he's scored so many big wins recently, etc. Et and I think it's also a good feud builder. Like you know, you could say having the, the, the two guys that are sitting at number two and three, they're desperate to get to the number one spot, but they've got to go through each other first so they can have like a um, a big. A big feud, a big match to try and uh, to try and get to the the summit of it as well. I just hope they don't get lazy with it that they eventually did the first time round. I famously remember when MGF came back. What's my name? MGF. Apologies, it was uh, was it when Punk came back. Um, anyway, it was when one of the big returns happened. They still had the ranking system in place, and somebody pointed out. That uh, hang on, this guy's just came back out of nowhere and instantly he's the number one contender. Whereas mm. Orange Cassidy has been unde- unbeaten in his last twenty eight matches or something like that. So how the fuck does that work? What's the point in having a ranking system if 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 that if that happens? So as Lewis has alluded to, there is a risk always of um, booking yourself in the corner. So they need to really well manage it and probably have somebody in place to like a continuity booker. I, um, I've heard this. I heard I've heard that term in like soap operas. Like there's always a guy, like one of the writers, um, to for the continuity of a certain character to make sure um, it doesn't come up. I I've forgotten a uh, plot hole when they're wanting to do a new storyline with a with a character to make sure that the loose loose any loose ends are tied up previously first. So I think they need to have somebody in there to manage that kind of aspect of it. 
Sweet. Well, thanks for your opinions on that, lads. Uh, and again, you know, if you've got any different opinions or similar opinions or just opinions on anything at all, let us know here at the Heat Sheet Pod on Twitter, X, and on YouTube as well. Uh, now, we'll get to filling up the rest of the paper here and we'll go to our page three, the most titillating bits of gossip that we found from uh, the last week in wrestling. Uh, Steve. Well, shoot over to you first. What is Grayson Page 3 in your opinion this week? Well, um, we're on an AW theme right now, so let's keep it going. It's simply what's going to be Tony Khan's big announcement tonight in Dynamite. Um, yep. I think all the indications are it's either the signing of Kazuchika Okada or Mercedes Monet. I think by now we all know both one, uh, one or both are going to sign. Um, I think it, I think I'm leaning towards Okada. He just had he just wrapped up with New Japan, um, and we're ninety percent sure he's signing with them because of all the links he's got. He's friends with the Bucks. He's he's already been he's already had a couple of appearances with them. He could and there's already a, a big storyline waiting with him and Danielson to have the proper mm. match with him. Probably either at Double or Nothing or the next Forbidden Door, whenever. So all the signs are there, and with Mercedes, um, they be, they they really do need a, a big female star to come back in to get really get really shake things up again. Like Diana Brazo, she's good, but she's not quite the the list quality. She she's she's a good hand, she's a good wrestler, but she doesn't. Let's be honest, she's not a she's not a needle mover, is she? Whereas Mercedes Monet is. So it could be that. Of course, it could be something that only Tony Khan himself would say as a, a big announcement. So it could be something daft and really marky. Like, he's going to announce something weird like Eddie Kingston against fucking Ultimate Dragon or something like that. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put, put that past uh, Tony Khan. But um, I, I guess I should ask you too, what, what, do you, what are you guys predicting it, it could be? I, th- I think it's, it's, it's going to be in that kind of ballpark, but I, th- I think maybe there'll be an announcement in a tease. So I, I, I saw, I was kind of flicking through uh, Twitter earlier on, and I'd seen uh, Sean Ross Sapp tweeting about how Tony Khan has uh, booked the, the TD Garden for an upcoming show, which is obviously Boston, which is Sasha Banks slash Mercedes Money's hometown. So they could kind of. Uh, do a similar thing to the lead up to uh, the the debut collision with Punk, where they announced that you know they were they were going to be having collision at the uh, the whatever the arena in Chicago is, just to kind of get the fire burning. So I could see him doing that. I could see it maybe being the big announcement being you know a, a marquee match for the Evolution, and then. Also saying as well as that we've booked such and such, uh, for, or, or we've booked the TD Garden for the future show. Get your tickets now, kind of thing, and that's that could be the lead in for it. Could be Okada. Uh, I think I think I think there's a possibility that it could be the one two. You know, do the the same kind of uh, Brian Danielson Adam Cole thing from a couple of years ago. Hit them with the, the double punch on there. Could be something to do with Will Osprey. Uh, it could be. It could be a, a variety of things, but I think the the breadcrumbs that are out there that are leading to 
uh, either Mercedes Money or or the Cada coming in. What about you, Lou? You you in the same camp? Mm. Unmute me. I'd say that the 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 double would be the would be the best one. You know, uh, if I was to choose between the two or of anything else, I would imagine it'd be Mercedes Money, um, purely by believing these dirt sheet writers are never wrong. But um, I think I want to. It's been what four years, three four years since we got that. So I think another one is going to be on the horizon at some point. So. If Okada and uh, Mercedes Money likely destination is AEW, then why not fling them both on in the same night and get um, get everyone talking like they did when Adam Cole and Brian Danielson came out? Are there any other free agents from you know just in general or from the last uh, WWE call that haven't signed up anywhere or haven't officially said they're, they're working exclusively with anyone? Because obviously Nick, Nemeth, Nick Nemeth's been doing a lot of stuff recently. Uh, Mansoor and, and Mace have been, you know, making waves. Um, was there anyone else from that call? Staff uh, Ali. Oh, he is, did he announce it's it was TNA. officially signed away with uh, TNA? Oh, well, yeah, he, well, he, he challenged uh, Takahashi. So. Al- um, Elias and Ezekiel, uh, the two of them. Elijah, that, could Elijah be. Now. And, Aye, uh, so rather than them with the Tony Khan big announcement, I don't think but so. That's what I mean. Like, nah. could, could anybody be used as a Aye. decoy? You know, like you know, set them up with all the big the big signing as as Nick Nemeth, and then Mercedes comes out or the Cada comes yeah. out, something like that. Like could they, they they could do their version of Jinder and Rock. Aye, aye, the, the fake mm-hmm. out kind of thing. Cool. No, that's is certainly buzzing. And you know, by the time this comes out tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll, we'll know exactly what has happened, what the big announcement's been. Uh, so it's good to kind of try and play a f- future teller, fortune teller on that kind of thing. Lewis, what about yourself? What would you say has uh, has been tickling the the gossip taste buds, whatever that means? <laughs> um, I, I, I this is news from about three hours ago, and we've been talking about WWE. We've been talking about AEW. Let's move to TNA. So Scott Demore, he's had a massive hand in TNA becoming TNA. He's very patriotic about the company. He's he's as diehard as diehard can be. And with Anthem being the the owners now, they have sacked him. So Scott Demore is out of TNA, which is a massive shock. I'd say they've they have. I'm trying to see being put in on form to they've replaced him with, but but the whole the whole consensus of it is it's someone less involved with wrestling but more involved with sort of growing the company. It seems as though that's my my take on it anyway. So um, it's it's someone who knows more about production, um, creating an audience. Wait, wait, all this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Somebody trying to interrupt. Right. What Tony Khan? What if that's the announcement? He's bought Impact or bought TNA. Who knows? That would strange that would things have happened because they, they've had they've obviously had the, the affiliations in the past when uh, Omega and Christian Cage uh, initially. You know that was about the kind of the Rampage debut, wasn't it? About that time, uh, mm. that was the TNA things. Uh, 
But yeah, uh, you know, Scott Demore in with the bricks, uh, TNA, uh, Impact, whatever the iterations it's been. Uh, I've, I've not read up too much on it in the, in the last few hours in terms of, you know, seeing anything that's led to it or, or whatnot. But you, you would think that with them going back to that old school mentality, bringing back the old name and whatnot, you'd want some one of the kind of the the, the founding guys, the guys that made TNA what it was around. Uh, is there any speculation as to, to why he's been been let go? Is there anything cut about the other so it's, uh, it's the it's the whole process of it's they want to sort of phase out it just seemed as though they wanted to phase him out and move to more of a a hierarchical company style as opposed to this one guy um, running it, so to speak. And the new guy, they said, they've put out a post saying they want, he's going to add more value in areas including production, distribution, marketing, viewership, customer uh, acquisition, acquisition, sorry, um, digital revenue streams, sales, sponsorships, digital tech operations and more. So like I said, it's just a, it's a pure marketing thing and a best for business thing in terms of growing TNA rather than having a loyalty to someone that's been there since 2003 and bled um, red and yellow. So um, I think from a moral standpoint, it's pretty shite. Uh, but from a business standpoint, it's maybe one of those things that needed to be done to propel TNA to that third brand that they've um, always wanted to be. Well, second brand, rivaling brand before AEW came in. But like we're saying with the... With the amount of wrestling you can watch it's going to be hard to even with a rebrand not get lost in the shuffle so I think this is maybe just one of those fuck it decisions to see if it works if it doesn't work then they'll pivot but it just seems to be a a, a complete business decision nothing on the wrongdoing of Scott Damore quite yet that's good it's, it's, it's good to see that somebody's been let go for business reasons as opposed to being deviant um Although it's never nice to see something being let go, uh, but I'm sure that you know with, with his creative mind and his energy and love for the business, I, I'd imagine Jeremy Borash will be, be putting in a wee call to him. Uh, you know, to get him over to the Fed, or if if Steve's prediction is to come true and uh, and TK's buying predictions never come true. <laughs> Uh, you know, it may very well end up uh, on the writing staff or something like that at AEW. Uh, so with those two choices, I think, you know, the the, the one that everyone's been talking about uh, this week or over the last week while has been uh, the former Sasha Banks turning up in AEW. So, Steve, I'm going to give the headline for page three to you, and that headline is going to be Mercedes motoring in to elite company? Question mark. Uh, on there as well. Although uh, Demore no more is is a much better headline, but I think the story uh, of uh, Mercedes finally coming into AEW tonight uh, just about trumps it. Uh, so that leaves us to fill the TV pages on this week's heat sheet. Uh, the stuff that is wrestling related, but not necessarily wrestling that we have been uh, plugging into our eyeballs or are looking forward to plugging into their eyeballs over the next uh, wee while. Lewis, what, uh, I know you were struggling for a, a pick earlier on, but have, have you, you managed to settle on something that you think we should be looking out for? I've, I was I was originally going to speak about the the press conferences coming up tomorrow. Chris, maybe you can, if I don't choose that, you can um, add your thoughts in about that. But 
just before I came on here, I scrolled on X and seen this thing. <laughs> it's a video of I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it and make it seem shite, but it's basically this guy called Ace of Steel and he makes videos of he's sort of computer generated them and these wrestlers into video game characters and yes. it goes through you've seen it, it goes through there's a new one that's just dropped of Cody's Road to WrestleMania and it's just the best way I can put it is absolute carnage. Um, but it's one of the funniest it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So is type in that, yeah. Is it the same guy that did the, the LA Knight one where yeah. he just keeps popping out of like luggage uh, and yeah like yeah. the day I just type just type in Ace of Steel on TikTok, on Twitter, on Google, on anything you want to and just scroll through the last five or six videos. It's it's very hard to describe but it's it's one of the funniest things I've seen if you're a wrestling fan. So there's a quick one from me. Um, if you need a quick laugh, if you're feeling down, um, stick that on. Smashing. That's 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 a good pick. I will check that out because I, I really did enjoy the LA Night one because it was it was just it was like at the height of uh, LA Night in 2023 when I first saw that, and it was literally like the the video was just him just shouting yeah in in folks' faces for like a minute and a half. It's class. Uh, it's, it's class in only that way that it would appeal to wrestling fans. It's class, <laughs> like, you, like if I showed that to my missus, she'd be like, "What is this pish?" Uh, but uh, when you when you're tuned into the the, the stuff that we're into, uh, then those kind of things can be. Like, like, the the faces look mental. Aye, <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's really well done as well because I, I thought it was like some kind of render off for like two K twenty three or something like that. But mm. it's, it's, it's like early. Remember that? It's their, it's their, it's their, mm. it's their movements from real right. life. It's like it's, it's them in promo videos that have been changed into sort of animated form. Um, and this last one that's came out is just they get they get worse and more fried every time. <laughs> um, and I think <laughs> I think this one's the the cream of the crop. So. Aye, yeah, I can't. I've, I've only seen half of this, and so I can't wait to watch it. Magic, I'll, I'll, I'll get looking at that once, once we, we got off here. I think. And Steve, what about yourself? What, uh, what's been uh, catching your eye and, and filling up your goggle box? Um, right. If, if you if you want to be proper wrestling geeky, like I'm, to- I'm talking really smarty, really, um, like mum's basement virgin style. <laughs> Wrestling, uh, wrestling subjects. Um, it doesn't get better than like Japanese historic Japanese wrestling videos. And there's a brilliant YouTube video, uh, a channel called uh, Wrestling Colin. I've, sp- I've spoken about it before from our mm. daft sheet days. The guy's really good. He's um, he's he's a American guy, but I think he lives in uh, in Japan, um, and he does all kinds of like uh, Japanese. Uh, he's, he's a a Japanophile, as they call him, he's uh, he, he just loves all things J- Japanese. Like, and he's in the room where he records all his videos. You can see stuff like in the background, like Sony, Nintendo stuff, and he does all these great detailed videos about famous Japanese wrestlers and incidents. And his most recent one, which probably probably the most famous or infamous incident in the history of Japanese wrestling, um, it came in the nineteen fifties. Um, and it was a famous match between Masahiko Kimura 
uh, against Ricky Dozan. Um, it was a huge, huge thing uh, in Japan at the time. Ricky Dozan, if you don't know, is basically the father of Japanese wrestling. He's kind of like what Luthes is in America. Mm. Um, he even trained both Antonio Inoki and Giant Baba, who both would go on to form New Japan and Old Japan uh, res- respectively. And he was an enormous celebrity in, in Japan. He was a he was a, a national hero. He he was an inspiring figure that um uh, the uh, the Japanese working classes really took to and saw as a hero and got them out of the post war uh, depression. Because behind the, the fame he was a bit of a uh, a see you next Tuesday. Hmm. Um, he was a he was a bit of a, an alcoholic and a, an abuser. As even I don't know how true it is. Uh, and Colin alludes to it in the video. Apparently, um, if he got really pissed off in a situation, he would pull his his cock out and stroke it in front of somebody. Hmm. Um, but um, and Masahiko Kimura, he was a really famous figure in Japan as well. MMA fans are probably thinking Kimura. Where have I heard of that before? Yes, he is the guy that. Invented the Kimura wrist lock, and um, that you see a lot of UFC fighters use um, in their in their fights. Um, and to sum up, what a badass this guy was! He broke uh, Helio Gracie's arm in a, a legendary match that happened in Brazil in the fifties, um, which gave the name um, to the uh, to the name the Kimura, uh, the Kimura lock. Um, and so Ricky Design and Kimura had this legendary match. And you know, the full ramifications of stories of it haven't came out, but basically at one point, Ricky Design shot on um, Kimura hard style, and and I mean hard. The, he basically booted fuck out of him. Um, the, it's not fully known why it happened. Why um, Ricky Design went into business for himself. There's all kind of theories that. He did it because he was meant to lose the uh, lose the match, um, because the yakuza told him so, and he, he told him he was going over, and he said, "No, fuck that," and decided to take mm. um, business in his own hand. But the beatdown is brutal. Um, and if uh, there's there's a shot, the a close up shot of Kimura's face, even in black and bl- uh, black and white and, and bloody videos, it probably would be in the fifties. You can see Jesus Christ, he had really got a number put on him. Um, it's, it's, it's even more shocking they did it to a guy who's like a 10th dan judoka at the age of 18 I mean yeah Ricky Design's considerably bigger than Kimura but still the balls to do that to a, a guy that can turn you into a pretzel and leave you um, paraplegic for the rest of your life if you fuck with him is, is just insane um, but I, if, if you really want like, a good um a good 15 minutes of watching like a super geeky wrestling video, um, especially uh, Japanese wrestling, wrestling calling on YouTube is, is your place. The guy's really well spoken as well. He really does his research. He even like shows you the sources of where he gets all his information from, like newspapers, websites, uh, books um, by all the great wrestling journalists, guys like Bill Raptor, and etc. Um, so it's a really great channel. I, I really recommend it. Smashing, smashing. So there we go. We've got one option for something light and frivolous and one that's going to take you down deep, dark paths of Japanese men battering each other for legit. Uh, 
So yeah, go and seek out those things as well. Uh, so that kind of wraps up, almost wraps up uh, this week's episode of the Heat Sheet. Uh, I'll just I'll recap the headlines that we hit. So uh, the front page was Dwayne Rock blocks Cody's loads to WrestleMania. Couldn't be anything other than that this week. Uh, Lewis took the uh, back page with uh, Williams' title tilt harshed by Mello, uh, and Steve took page three with uh, Mercedes motoring into Elite Company. Asking that as a question. Uh, and then you've got the two uh, page, uh, TV page choices there uh, between uh, the uh, Vessel Call and Japanese stuff about Ricky Dozan and Kimura uh, and Lewis's Ace of Steel stuff as well. So there's plenty for you to be enjoying after you've enjoyed this, of course. I mean, you've got to this stage of the podcast so far, so you've already enjoyed about an hour and ten minutes worth. Uh, but once you're done with us, then go and take uh, the other stuff in as well. So before we leave you, uh, lads, uh, we did it last week, we'll do it again this week. What are next week's headlines going to be? What do you reckon we are going to be talking about uh, when we come back on to the heat sheet next week? Well, it's got to be what was Tony Khan's big announcement. If it is as big as it's promising to be, is it a signing? Is it a new event happening? Um, what's going to come out of that? Um, and and also, hopefully, we're talking about uh, how good the Iron uh, Claw was because that's getting released in finally in the UK this weekend. Mm-hmm. I have got my ticket. I'm even going to try and record a kind of quick review of it that we can maybe use as our uh, kind of centerpiece in it. Yeah, we we can we can do that next week. We'll have that as the as the the, the centre fold. Steve's uh, Steve putting on his Jonathan Ross uh, suit and lisp uh, to to the view <laughs> the the Iron Claw for this. Stephen uh, Watch, Steve Stephen Watch, Steve Watch on yeah. Watch. Uh, <laughs> and Lewis, what about yourself? What do you reckon we're going to be talking about this time next week? Um, I'll be bold. I've just read up on the. The, the disgust from some of the tweets of the TNA um, roster on the departure of Scott DeMore. So I'm going to say um, mass walkouts from TNA leaves them in a sticky situation. Yep. So well, that's going to be I, my, my hot take. i just seen a quick scroll through Twitter there. I'd seen that uh, Moose, the, the current TNA champion, uh, has said that uh, Scott DeMore is a massive part of him deciding to sign on again with TNA as opposed to going to the WWE when interest was in him. Mm-hmm. So we could very well see a bit of a, a, not a mutiny as such, but certainly a fallout from that. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening to edition two of the Heat Sheet. Uh, you can follow us on uh, X slash Twitter, whatever you want to call it just now, at the Heat Sheet pod. Uh, you can also check us out on uh the, under the same handle on YouTube uh, and once we get big enough we'll probably start our own Instagram and TikTok pages but if you want to see uh, some of the other content uh, if you follow at ChrisJack85 uh, on TikTok I'll be posting videos there as well as on uh, Instagram and such like as well. Lads thank you for joining me uh, for edition number two and for all, for all you listeners and viewers uh, Whenever you are seeking the wrestling heat, look out for the sheet. Oh, that's the wrong thing I've played. Cheerio!